Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We share our stories to encourage and equip each other to live out our faith in Jesus. We are so glad you're here. I loved having Kendall Reed into the studio to share part of her story. I have to admit, I felt a gut punch or two while recording this episode. Some from the agony of grief, and some from the beauty of heaven's healing. I've often thought of Kendall as a bit of a Renaissance woman, willing and able to do a little bit of anything. But I'm most grateful for the way she gives away the comfort and grace she's received. Consider making yourself a vanilla latte as you listen to her share her heart. Hi, I'm here with Kendall Reed, and I am so excited that she is going to tell us her story and what God has done in her life and just let us get to know her a little bit and be encouraged by her. Kendall is finishing up her master's degree in leadership and is on a path to start a nonprofit. And God has been and is at work in her life, and she's going to tell us a little bit about it. So welcome, Kendall. Thanks for having me. We love to start by asking everyone, what is a little something that has brought you joy lately? So before we jump into your story more specifically, tell us a little something that has brought you joy lately. Oh my goodness. Um, That is a great question. I think um, slow mornings have brought me a lot of joy. Um, I feel like I've just been trying to get up a little bit earlier, so I just kind of get to take the morning slow, drink my coffee and enjoy it, um, read, and I just don't feel rushed. And it maybe that sounds weird, but it has literally brought me so much joy. Like I left the house this morning with plenty of time and I got everything done that I needed to, and it was just really fun. I absolutely love that and have no idea what you're talking about because I am not a morning person, never have extra time, never get anywhere early in the morning. And like the idea of it is really pleasant to me. And the experience of that is maybe something I will never get to have, but I can celebrate you for your joy. I'm calling it my early morning era um, because it has not been me my whole life. And so that um, makes it even funnier. To oh, me. yeah, yeah. I go through phases, but era sounds more fun. So it's I'm my early morning era. Only a night era, and I can solve world peace about midnight, but 8 a.m., not for me. <laughs> We're all different, right? You know, uniquely made. It's going to be good. <laughs> Yes. Feel free to laugh at me. Well, as we start to get to know people, I know often we'll say, tell us what it was like growing up and about your family. And those are great questions, but I kind of like to start a little different. I would love to hear what are hobbies and interests that you've had over your career? Because I think that can tell us a little different side of someone. So um, what did you grow up enjoying doing and what do you enjoy doing now? Yeah, um, I grew up doing uh, a lot of music and then got into sports uh, a little bit later. Um, I did gymnastics and stuff like that. But I think when I look back on my life and think about things I've always done and I still do, it's always centered around being outside or being around water, which I guess you almost always have to be outside to be around water. But um, whether that was going 
hiking or we, I call it exploring growing up or even like um, hunting and my um, family was really involved in um, like competitive shotgun shooting and stuff like that so that's kind of where all my hobbies were um, at least later in life um, and then more recently I've gotten into really into hiking locally and we live in Texas we're not really hiking <laughs> we're going on a, a walk with a slight incline um, but I've also gotten into some archery and just enjoying the outdoors. And so when I think about that, whether that's fishing, literally just sitting by the lake or taking my dog to the lake or something like that, um, I've always enjoyed that since I can remember. You said so many things in there. You're like music, hiking, like you had all of these different things. And I've thought about you before. I always think she's such the Renaissance woman because you do all these different things. Like some people have like a lane and I feel like you have like all of the lanes and like enjoy doing different things. And I find that to be really fun. Yeah, I've always struggled picking a lane. Um, <laughs> I know there's like the the catch or like the cliche of jack of all trades, master of none. And it's one of those things like I enjoy doing a lot of things. I'm not great at a lot of things, but I've like, oh, yeah, I've dabbled in this and I've dabbled over here. It's not that I'm like great at them. I just enjoy them. OK, so clearly you mentioned a pretty unique interest that. I honestly have never done and one day will because you're going to take me, but you said you've done competitive skeet shooting and that was kind of a family activity. So tell me a little bit about how did you get into that? What is that? Who in your family did that with you? That's a pretty unique interest. Yeah. Um, it's a funny story. So, um, my family, especially my brother, my dad grew up, uh, was, I was growing up, they got into it probably when I was like six or seven. Um, and I would go with them as, you know, the little, little daughter that tagged along and didn't actually do, I didn't, I wasn't competing. I wasn't trying. Um, I just sat there with a good book or just watched them as a great cheerleader. Um, and so I grew up around the sport. Um, and then obviously my, I talked about hunting a little bit. And so my dad did a lot of hunting and one time, um, he's like, do you, do you want to go with me this time? Do you want to actually hunt? So I went through all the course, like the safety course and all of that to do it. And, um, he took me, um, dove hunting and I was so bad at it. Let me tell you, like I, I couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Um, and, uh, which is so hard for me to believe. Yeah. Talk about starting, starting from the very bottom. Um, I did not know what I was doing. And, um, so from that, my dad said, you know, let me get you a lesson. And so you can learn the fundamentals, actually learn what it is to, to hit the target you're aiming at. It's very important. Um, and so, this I did not expect to like skeet shooting. I actually showed up to the lesson in the worst mood possible. Like I did not want to be there. It was a Saturday. I think I wanted to be spending time with my friends. I cannot remember the exact reason why I didn't want to be there, but I was in a very bad mood. Um, but then I walked out on the field and the coach was great and taught me some of the basics and I started breaking targets. And not a lot, but a few. And sure. I was like, wait, this is really fun. Um, and so... I walked off the field right up to my dad and I was like, can we come back next week? And he was like, who are you? <laughs> um, and that kind of started the traje trajectory of me um, competing um, from that. And what's funny about hobbies, sometimes if I find one that I really like, I jump in with 
everything. Like both feet, I, I'm going to learn everything about it. I'm going to get all the gear. Um, I'm going to try to find someone who can teach me. And so that's what happened with skeet shooting. Um, and then a little bit later found out it was an Olympic sport. Um, spoiler alert, I did not go to the Olympics, <laughs> but I did try. <laughs> um, and so I did that for about eight years. So that was family history but my dad was always involved in that um it was just something fun we could do together I know you've talked you've been on one of our episodes before about identity I actually looked it up it was episode 19 if you want to listen and you talk about um your sport and how you wrestled with finding your identity there and how God used that but also how he broke you of some things and drew you to himself so I know you've shared that piece of the story with us but as you've told this story, even sitting across from me, you've mentioned your dad multiple times. So daddy's girl growing up, what was that relationship like? Tell me about your dad. Yeah, I think I was the ultimate daddy's girl. Uh, I don't know. There's some of the rest of us that are in there too. I mean, if there is a trophy or a definition to being a daddy's girl, I think I would win. Um, I, we, especially, uh, after middle school, I think where I was really close to my dad and just looked up to looked up to him as a little girl. Um, I, the best thing ever is when he would be like, "Do you want to go fishing, or do you want to go get ice cream with me, or go to Home Depot?" You know, I'm like three or four, and I'm like, "Of yes. course!" I, it was like the best day ever. Um, and then later in life, um, we ended up getting to travel together a lot because of my sport. Um, and so, not that I don't love my mom. My mom's amazing, it, but also I. I was, I grew up homeschooled. Um, and so, or I was homeschooled growing up. And so I spent a lot of time with my mom and I think there was just some extra sweet moments with my dad. Cause he wasn't there during the day when I was yeah, spending sure. time with my mom. And so anyways, and I think probably, um, the biggest reason I'm a daddy's girl is we had, um, pretty much the same personality. <laughs> um, and so I think it's just, I, was drawn to him because I acted like him or I thought like him. And so just like, I felt like he understood me really well. Um, and so that's probably the biggest reason. And he was just great. He was really awesome. I know obviously that, well, those listening may not know, but I know that your dad died several years ago and I'm imagining that had to be really challenging. So tell me a little bit about that season and what that was like for you. Yeah, um, I definitely think it was one of the hardest seasons I've ever walked through. Um, my dad died really suddenly, um, I think in 2020, um, so about three years ago. And it was, like I said, completely unexpected. Um, so hard. And so the shock of loss in itself is just a lot. And then it being um, one of the people that I am the closest to um, was it rocked my world for sure. Um I was not prepared for grief at all. I don't think anyone really is, but it's, I feel like when you lose someone close to you, it is such an all encompassing experience. It's, you feel grief physically, emotionally, mentally, and of course, spiritually. And, um, and so I, it was just a really, really hard season on top of it. COVID was starting right then. And so, so much harder. It was absolutely crazy because life felt so uncertain. It felt like it never had before. And then I lost my dad on top of that. And so, um, 
it was, yeah, it was really, really hard. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of words to describe it, but yeah. I thought it's interesting. You mentioned it wasn't just hard emotionally, but it was hard spiritually. It was hard physically. It was hard in a variety of ways. And when we think about grief, sometimes I just think we can think sad, but when you talked about it, then it made it feel like more than just emotionally sad. Will you talk a little bit more about what that grief felt like and how it impacted you in a variety of different ways? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that happened right after my dad died is just this, it felt like an all-consuming fear and to the point like I couldn't sleep um, because of it. I would hear every single noise in the house. I think I would hear noises that weren't there and I don't know what it was, I guess, just not, I guess it was knowing that my dad was not there to protect us, which I had lived on my own for a while. (laughs) Like, I don't know why that was a thing, but that's one of them. So, um, I was absolutely exhausted for a while. Um, well, on top of grieving, I, I feel like grief also just, people have described it as almost a a fog, like a brain fog from grief. And so it's, um, it's hard to think and it's hard to process. Um, sometimes I remember like, I just kind of stood in a grocery store about a week after my dad died. Cause I was, I couldn't really remember what I needed to do. And I'm starting to feel overwhelmed because I'm feeling all of these emotions, but I don't want to cry because I'm in the middle of Sam's club. And (laughs) so I just kind of stood there and I'm like, I don't really know what to do. Um, And thankfully someone was with me and just kind of was like, okay, do you, do we need to get any other items? Finally decided we got everything. And it was like, I just need to get out of here. I need mm-hmm. to get out. Um, and so, yeah, it's crazy how it impacts you. And then I remember even my time with the Lord looked so different than it had before my dad died. And there were so many times where I didn't feel like I even had words um, to pray. And so sometimes I would just read scripture, which actually turned out to be the sweetest thing. Um, but I, it was kind of like, God, how do I even communicate when you— experience something tragic like this. And so everything felt overwhelming. Everything felt unknown. Everything just felt really, really hard. And there was no way to escape those feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And praise God that I didn't pursue things that I could escape. I think that is an option. And just praise God that that wasn't something um, in my story in that season. And so... um, yeah, it was just, I think the best world, the best word to describe grief is just an all-encompassing, overwhelming season. I know that you were so close with your dad and had this comfortable, it wasn't perfect, but comfortable relationship and sense. And all of a sudden that comfort is gone and everything feels awkward and uncomfortable. And like you said, like nothing was normal, like nothing felt normal anymore. And I know that as people walk through grief, different people are going to experience different things. Not everyone, there are bad ways to handle grief, but there are also a variety of good ways to handle grief. And one thing I've heard you say before, which I thought was insightful, was that it wasn't predictable. Mm -hmm. And we almost want, here's the pattern for grief. Here's the pattern for processing grief. Here's what you can expect. But you have said it wasn't predictable. What did you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I think the first thing I mean by being unpredictable is you never know what emotions are coming when you're grieving. (laughs) You have no idea. Um, I would be laughing and having a good time with friends. And then uh, a few minutes later, either would hear something that reminded me of my dad or like maybe a song would come on or who knows. And then I am just sobbing or I'm angry or, you know, all of those different emotions. Um, I think it's also unpredictable because people grieve so differently. And so, you know, my mom is grieving at the same time, but we're grieving at very different, not paces, but she's experiencing one emotion while I'm experiencing another. And obviously different relationships are going to experience grief in different ways. And so um, that was another um, thing that was so unpredictable in itself. But I think really, I just had no idea what I w- each day was going to hold because I didn't know. I think I kept looking on the horizon for a good day. And t- for mm-hmm. a little bit, that was um, that I only cried a few times. <laughs> and that's not a good standard, by the way. <laughs> but I kept looking for the day that I didn't feel sad. Um, and I think maybe there was a day that, that came that I didn't feel the overwhelmingness of of loss, but um, there was always, I would wake up and be like, what is today going to hold? Am I going to be able to make it through a meeting without feeling like I'm going to cry? Am I going to stay in a good mood while I'm around my friends? I don't know. Um, And so I just had some amazing friends in that season though that like stepped in and were so gracious Um, with all the ups and downs. I had a friend that took me to her lake house a few weeks, maybe two months after my dad died. Let me tell you, I was in the worst mood in the car driving down. It's like a four or five hour drive. Like, I don't think that I laughed or smiled the whole ride, whole car ride. And this is one of my friends that is just really fun, really joyful. And she sat with me and just let me be however I needed to be. That's so kind. And it was so kind. I just remember like driving down there like, I'm in the worst mood. I don't really want to be here. I just want to like do my own thing. Um, but then it ended up turn, turning into just a really sweet time. But going back to that, I didn't know getting in the car that I was going to be in a bad mood for five hours. Because you didn't know what to predict. Yeah, had no idea what was coming. Um, and so... Yeah, it's just so, so strange. It's literally, and I don't, I've, I would say like I'm a go with the flow person. I'm a go with the flow person until <laughs> I uh, feel big emotions. <laughs> and then I'm like, I want them to go away. I don't want to experience that. So the fact that I had no control over when those were coming was uh, was so hard for me. Yeah. And I think that's, I would find that hard, but I resonate with that part of your personality. And I do think different personalities will find different, maybe parts of grief harder, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I've heard you say too, and I thought this was really interesting. You mentioned like kind of the, when's the day that I'm not going to be sad? Or we kind of look forward to different dates on the calendar, the first Father's Day, the first birthday. And yes, those are a big deal. But I remember hearing you say one time that you were surprised by the fact that it was almost the little things that got you more. What what did you mean by that? Well, I think one good example, um, not too long after my dad died, this is so this is a really ridiculous example, but I think it just explains grief. Um, 
I found a pair of socks that were my dad's. He had not worn them. Okay. we. I also really like to go to Disney World. I'd gone with my parents um, I probably six months before my dad died. Um, we just had a little family vacation. It was really sweet. Um, and he bought these socks that I picked out for him at Disney World. And I found them. And he hadn't worn them. You would have thought that I, the the world had ended, ended because <laughs> of the socks because of a pair of socks um and so I think that is probably explains just the little things I also remember driving to I think it was an important meeting and I had my phone on like music on shuffle and one of my dad's favorite songs came on and I didn't re- I didn't think I remember it's on it. shuffle it was, you didn't yeah. know it was coming I don't remember it being in my playlist, like all these things. And it came on and I had to pull over. Like, cause I, I had no idea how much it would affect me, but it's just those tiny little things. I, especially the first year after losing my dad, all the big moments I would get really anxious for. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to be so upset. I'm going to be crying all the day or I'm going to be, you know, having all these memories in those days were hard in some ways, but the little moments that came up or, you know, if your phone pops up, um, those like photo memories, sometimes those are sweet. Um, and sometimes they're not, um, and sometimes they they just, they come at not the best time. Um, and so that was another thing that would pop up, you know, picture of me and my dad or just something of him doing something he loved. Um, and I would need a minute. And sometimes, it wouldn't be tears um, that would happen. I, it would just put me in a funk. You know, I'd just start missing him. Um, and so, yeah, it's super, super unpredictable. And then the other the other small things are just the way you felt about, maybe I saw a photo that made me get really sad one time. And now I look at it and I don't have the same reaction. It's like, I'm really thankful or vice versa. Uh-huh. And so you don't always respond the same way to the same thing. Yeah. Um, whether like this year at holidays, I wanted the traditions. I wanted to remember all those memories with my dad, but the year before I didn't, it was, it just felt too hard. I just kind of wanted to make it through. But this year I wanted to do all the things we used to do, whether that was like, go look at Christmas lights or, you know, make pancakes or something small like that. Um, but it's just, it's so strange. Mm-hmm. And I even like found comfort in looking at Christmas lights mm-hmm. this Christmas. And so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It makes me happy for you. One thing, you used the word sudden when you talked about your dad's death. And by no means do I think one type of grief is necessarily easier than another. But because it was sudden and unexpected, I think it's different, not better or worse, but different than a long illness that maybe you had prepared for or got to say things to each other that you would want said or remembered. And in a sudden death, that doesn't happen. And so what is it like, or has it been like for you that it was a sudden death? And how did you process that? That was probably the hardest part um, for me. There was, um, there was no goodbye. Um, and so there was no one last conversation. Um, I was kind of laugh because our last conversation was about health insurance. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a father daughter conversation. Yeah, I'm like I didn't I didn't know which plan to pick the HSA or the PPL, and so that's what, what we talked about. What do those letters about. mean? Yeah, <laughs> I was like I have no idea. Um, and so that was our last conversation about two days before um, he passed away, and um, that's not really the conversation you want to end on. Um, and so there was a lot of things I wish I could have said to my dad, but we also, I mean, our relationship wasn't perfect. Um, there were definitely some conversations that I wish we could have had. Um, we just, you know, we had hard seasons as father and daughter, like most parents Every, have with everybody their kid, does, you know, and there's just, there was a few conversations that I wanted to dive deeper into or that I never got to have. Um, and that was so hard to reconcile um, for a long time after my dad died. I think I would even just kind of sit and process, like try to think what would he say and, you know, mm. would he be okay with this? Or, you know, ask a lot of what if questions that just can't be answered. And so that honestly, I, I would say I spent a lot of time in counseling talking about that. And I don't remember, I, it was very recently actually when, um, I honestly felt like the Lord just blessed me with this realization that all the, the conversations that I wish we had had and all, all of the moments that I didn't get to have, or all of, I guess, focusing on like more of the hard conversations that the next time I see my dad, all the brokenness is gone. And so I, the next conversation I get to have with him is in a place that's eternity and perfect. And so even if I'd be nervous about how the conversation would end or if he'd be disappointed or just, you know, I don't know, you have all those, you want to please your parents. And so, um, that's not going to be there. And that is probably the biggest gift. Um, I, I was, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the greatest thing to know that my dad loved the Lord he believed in Jesus and he is in eternity and I will get to see him there someday and no pain, no brokenness, no grief um, will be there. And um, I think it's in Revelation 21 um, where he talks about, you know, there will be no more tears and no more grieving. And I think that's like my favorite verse <laughs> like, now. Yes. And then if you read like just a little bit further, it's even sweeter because it says, write these things down because they're trustworthy and true and getting to just rest in the fact that the Lord is who he says he is. He's, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And because of that truth, I get to see my dad again and know that he is walking with Jesus today. It's really sweet. Yeah. What a beautiful picture. When you first started that story, I felt like a gut punch when you said I didn't get to say goodbye. But then when you paint that picture of what the next conversation and interaction will be like, it's like a gut punch in a good way. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like... It's like yeah, like I don't almost emotionally know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think the only way I've been able to like process it is as believers, when we lose a fellow believer, we aren't saying goodbye. We're saying, I will see you soon. Like a see you later. And you know, like when you're saying bye to a friend or like a friend moves away and you're like planning to go visit them or, you know, something like that, like the good, the goodbye seems different. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that has been so sweet. It's like, I'm going to see you again. 
the space in between that feels like eternity. <laughs> and I wish I could talk to you right now. I like went through some of my journals recently. Um, and that kind of was a refrain in the season mm-hmm. right after I lost my dad. I was like, I wish I could just ask him a question. I wish I could just, you know, hear one more story or whatever. Um, but at some point that will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, really I mean, pretty that's amazing. what our hope is in, you know? I wish I could meet your dad too. Um, You've mentioned a variety of things or that's kind of popped up. And so I want to delve into a little bit more of the things that brought you comfort and still do bring you comfort. And obviously you've mentioned the Lord multiple times, but talk a little bit about how the Lord was a comfort to you or what that looked like. And again, I also want to mention, I'll probably say this several times, that different people walk through and experience grief in different ways. So if you happen to be listening and you're in a grief season right now or someone else you know is in a grief season right now, how the Lord meets them and what He does might look different. But I still think it would be encouraging for us to all hear and know because I think that's a key part of your story, not just the pain, but the comfort that the Lord brought you. And so what did the Lord's comfort look like for you? Absolutely. Um, I think the Lord's comfort looked um, was very tangible for me, um, which I don't think I expected that. Um not that I th- thought about grief. I think you do. Like you consider, like you get nervous, right? You know, I know there's a day I'm going to lose my parents. I know there's a day I'm going to experience grief. Well, all will. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think I thought that in that season that the Lord's goodness and kindness and comfort would be so tangible. Um, even the night after my dad died, I remember sitting on the couch and couldn't sleep. And I really, I, I think I was probably still in shock because of everything. And I, I sat with my journal and I sat with my Bible and I didn't really know what to write except, I'm just Lord, here. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I genuinely don't know what to do. And um, the Lord's kindness to remind me that I have opened the Bible before <laughs> and I um, turned to Psalm 23 and when you you read it at funerals all the time, but I think you kind of skim it, you get used to it. Um, and so I started reading it and it says, you know, um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I remember reading that and just feeling like I, one, understood the verse in a completely different way, but it was just like the Lord saying, I'm right here. I know what you're going through. I'm right beside you. I am your comfort. I don't leave when it gets hard. I don't leave when you're faced with death. Like I am here with you. And so from that moment, I I knew like pursuing the Lord and going to the Lord, praying with us, reading scripture, whatever, that I, that was the only thing I could do mm. to, to bring comfort. Um, and so it, it wasn't, just magically my I was comforted <laughs> it was a daily process and there were a lot of days where I didn't want to read the Bible I didn't want to pray but the Lord is really so faithful um and I I think in that season I I believe the Lord gave me eyes just to see him in a completely different way or maybe even just make it easier for me to see his character um but there was just a lot 
a lot of scripture reading and a lot of journaling. Um, and then another way that he showed up um, and just showed me his comfort was truly by his people. And um, also, I just was surrounded by people that loved me so well. And they loved me so well because they loved the Lord. Um, and so I think people, if you've experienced loss, you might have experienced a lot of people reach out in that season, especially right after. And that's that's kind and you know, people send condolences and, and everything. But there are specific people that they don't just send condolences, they show up for you and with you. And that um, is what my experience was. And like their account, it would take a few hours for me to tell you all the ways that people showed up. But I think um, just a few days after it was COVID, season two and I, all I wanted was a vanilla vanilla latte people were like what can we do for you it's like I just want a vanilla latte but I can't find one because everything's closed and it's just frustrating and I can't mentally process the whole COVID like thing. yes and I didn't say like I just said it one night with my small group on a zoom call and the next day one of my friends drove over 35 minutes because I was not at my house I was with my mom over 35 minutes and showed up with an iced vanilla latte with almond milk. That makes me want to cry. She knew my order and she just showed up at the front door <laughs> with this latte. And it was just, and you can laugh about it. And I mean, it's kind of funny, but like those small things that were so tangible, like someone, one heard me. I think that was the biggest thing is I had friends that sat with me and heard what I was saying. They listened and they took action to love me well. And they didn't have to. They could have just said, I'm so sorry and moved on. But this, I mean, these are friends that walked with me for months and are they still walk with me today, or most of them, if they have a lot of friends have moved and stuff since then. But I think that's just such a small, um, small example of how God's people just rallied around me. Um, and I am so thankful and still blown away by their love. I know that, well, I'm going to say f- for me, not per se with grief, but in suffering, which this makes me sound terrible to say this, but sometimes people are the greatest comfort and sometimes they can be unintentionally a source of some of the greatest challenge or pain or unintentionally add to it. And I know that what serves a person will be different from person to person, but I want to hear even more about, is there a advice you give or things that you share of what people did that brought you comfort or maybe some things to stay away from. And again, it varies from person to person, but I know that you've taken away that information and try to use it as you comfort others. So what comes to mind from what you plan to do and what you try to be sensitive with in caring for others in loss? There are so many things. Um, the first one that comes to mind, it's, it's really small. It's so easy everyone can do this. Um, I got so many text messages after people found out that my dad had died and most of them say the same thing. And it, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, we loved your dad or please let us know if there's anything we can do. Very typical response. But one person added, um, a phrase after, and it changed 
everything for me. And <laughs> which is kind of a big deal. I'm I like, bet you've stolen the phrase. Yes, <laughs> I am being very dramatic, but it was such a big deal and just a relief to read it. And it said, no need to respond to this. Just know we love you. Mm. And that, y'all, when you have... Uh, a thousand text messages. Yes, so many text messages. You're also having to make so many decisions and have so many conversations and make plans. But you're also your brain doesn't feel like it's working because you're in the middle of grief. That one phrase, let let me take such a deep breath and relax for a minute because it was one person that said, I see that this is a really hard season. And I just want to know you know that I just want to show you that I love you, but I don't, I don't need anything. I don't need anything in return. And so that is one thing. Everyone can do that. And I think it's really important to put your needs ahead of ours, because sometimes we get worried about, well, what should I do? And should I say the right thing? And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm like, let's put the person that's hurting, let's put their needs ahead of my need to feel like I've done or said the right thing, or they've responded to me. And so that centering on your need and where you may be coming from, I think is really powerful. Absolutely. Um, I think it's so important and it's hard. I mean, if you haven't experienced loss, you might feel like you're overwhelmed and you don't know what a person needs. But I think just considering, you know, if you were going through something really hard, what would you want um, is a good place to start. Um, I think something really practical too. I love practical examples. Um, if you've ever experienced a meal train, um, you get so many lasagnas and sandwiches and enchiladas and fajitas and all those things. And those are great. I was so thankful for a meal train. So thankful. Um, just the basic practice of cooking, like just that whole process. Felt hard. It was so hard. It felt hard just to get out of bed in the morning. So you can imagine that cooking was really hard on top of that. But one person, um, on top of bringing um, like a dinner, they dropped off a breakfast casserole. Breakfast is a meal. Y'all, don't forget breakfast on the meal train. That's all I have <laughs> I to say. No, I won't geez. be up for breakfast, but morning people will. <laughs> Give me it a protein so bar good. on the way out the door. I mean, I don't know why filling a bowl of cereal <laughs> felt too hard. But scooping out some breakfast casserole and throwing it in the microwave for a minute. Felt very doable. It was so doable. And I'm not kidding. I wouldn't have eaten breakfast. I might not have eaten lunch too if I didn't have that. Like that was just something I think this person either had experienced grief. I don't know. I don't know why they knew we needed a breakfast casserole. But I still think about that. And that is like my go-to if I am taking a meal to someone. I will pick up something for dinner or, you know, whatever meal I'm taking. But I'll go to Central Market and get a quiche or, you know, got some bagels and cream cheese or something. You know, just something that is easy. Something that they can do. Um, And then I guess on a more like serious note, um, asking um, people, you know, I think kind of asking them where they're at continually to check in, you know, how are you doing weeks, months, years after loss is um, so important. I actually had a really cool interaction um, last year and it was right around my dad's birthday and the date of his death are really close together, like a few days apart. And, um, 
I had someone come up to me and was like, Hey, do you have time, you know, to, to grab a coffee? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I just, I, I can't meet in for a couple of days, but if you have time later this week, I'd, I'd love to sit down with you. And I was like, okay, great. Like, I don't know why. And then, so a few days passed and I still have no idea why we're grabbing coffee. And this person said, you were on my heart so much on Sunday. He said, I could not stop thinking like the Lord just was like, you need to check on Kindle. You need to check mm. on Kindle. And I said, this Sunday, this past Sunday. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, that was two years to the day of my dad dying. And he was like, you're kidding me. And I was like, no. And he's like, I had no idea. I don't think I really knew this person then. Um, but they had known what I'd gone through. Right, what and, happened. But they still just checked in um, even later. And I still have friends that reach out, you know, during Christmas or stuff and, and reach um, reach out and just, you know, how are you doing? Is there something that I can do to make this season a little easier? Or is there something – I even had one person um, – ask, you know, is there a tradition that I could do with you? That's um, a great question. And that, that was fun. <laughs> like that was actually really fun. It was going to look at Christmas lights. I guess I really like Christmas lights. I've talked about it a lot today, apparently. Um, but just little things, you know, just being there for people and asking them what they need. Um, and just checking in, being, checking in and being there for the long haul. And grief is a long process. And I know that there was a gentleman who was a friend of my parents who I never met, but his wife had died of cancer. And after my cancer diagnosis, I got a lot of cards, which I very much appreciated because I was too sick. You couldn't come spend time with me. Like a card or a text was as much as you could do. But for months and years afterwards, he would randomly send me a card and I'd never met him. And almost that acknowledgement of this experience, even though you were still alive, has still marked you and you're still dealing with things from that. And just the fact that someone acknowledged that and cared meant an immense amount to me. That's so kind. Wow, that's amazing. I want to hear because people were such a significant part of your journey or one of the things that God really gave you of comfort, what do you think it would have been like, or have you had seasons in your life where you've tried to walk through pain or loss without other people? And did that go well? Did that go poorly? What was it like when you don't include people in that? Yes, I have definitely walked through grief without people. Um, I've also walked through grief um, without the Lord. Um, and not that he wasn't there, but I was not Without going turning. to him. <laughs> yes, I was definitely not going to him. And so um, I, it was so interesting because right after my dad died, I was so thankful that I was walking with the Lord and I knew the Lord um, and I had a relationship with him and that I had people that were constantly encouraging me with his truth. Um, and I was, I was talking to someone and I said, man, I can't believe like what this season would be like if I didn't know the Lord, like the Lord's timing and kindness that I didn't have to experience grief, not walking with him. Mm -hmm. And then I like stopped and I was like, oh, I've, I did this actually. <laughs> I've tried that. But no one knew because I wasn't grieving with people, <laughs> literally Without no the Lord, without people. That's not yes. good. And so I think my parent, my parents definitely knew because they knew this person, but it was just someone who I was just, I was really close to. Um, they were a close family friend and um, it was another sudden loss, but I really didn't have 
like deep community, at least not community that lived here. Um, and so I just grieved alone and I, I, I use grief, um, lightly because I just compartmentalized and didn't deal with it. Um, and I think without going too much in the story, cause that would take way too much time. Um, the easiest way to say it is it is, I thought the loneliest process and the hardest. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I made it out of that season. Wow, um, that's yeah. a bold statement. Yeah. I am too. Yes, me, me too. I'm <laughs> really thankful. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, grieving, grieving without the Lord and grieving without people. I don't think that's the way the Lord designed it at all. And I've experienced both. And while both were so, so hard, so hard. I think even I would say losing my dad was so much harder, but there was a comfort and a peace that I didn't have when I was not walking with the Lord. As you reflect back on the past three years, and I'm sure you'll continue to grow and continue to process and miss your dad and have moments. I think that's normal. But when you look back on the past three years, are there certain things that are maybe major lessons or key things that you remember that have become kind of a part of who you are that impact how you live, how you comfort other people? What are, it sounds like, this sounds way too oversimplified, but what are some key takeaways from your life experience the past three years? That sounds way too cheesy, but I can't think of a better way to say it. But when you look back, what are some of the key things that you see? Ooh, that is a really great question. <laughs> I think um, a key takeaway, um, I, the most important, if you don't hear me say anything else, I my key takeaway is the Lord is so present mm-hmm. in our grief. He's so present in our suffering. He's also, Which doesn't mean it's not hard and sad. Right. Moments you may think he's right there and moments you may think he's in Egypt, but he's still yes. present. <laughs> yes. And he's still, he's still working and he's still good. Um, and I think just the truth that our circumstances don't define God's goodness and don't define um, his character. And so even though when I, when I talk about feeling peace and comfort, I'm not talking about not feeling the hard feelings. Mm. It was, I wasn't hopeless in the hard feelings. That's a great way to express it. And those are the hardest moments I've ever been in. And I, I think I'm truthfully saying that, like I genuinely have not ever been in another season where it was that hard, but I was able to, to say, Lord, I know who you are. You are showing me every day. I don't feel different. Like I'm still feeling these things, but I know you're there. And so I don't, I know it doesn't maybe make sense. I don't actually know how to articulate it. Um, but I say that those are my key takeaways or like my biggest takeaway. My other key takeaway is just how, how important it is um, to be in community and to let people know where you're at. Um, you know, I think it's it's so important. I believe the Lord designed us to be in community with other people. Um, and like I said, I've experienced it both ways. And I, whether you're doing life and it's great and it's fun or you're going through the hardest thing, we need community. And so I think that's probably the two key takeaways for me. I hate what you've been through and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I 
don't want you to have to go through it again. And so I don't want this next statement to sound like I'm saying this statement makes it enough. But something I really appreciate about you is in Second Corinthians, we talked about how God comforts us so that we can comfort others with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. And I've seen how just individually, what your heart is for your nonprofit, the way that you choose to live your life, whether it's someone that's had the loss, the specific loss of a parent, I see you taking that comfort, that being with people, that knowing who God is and longing to use that to be a comfort to other people. And I think God has given you a unique gift and you've been really faithful with that opportunity to share that comfort with others. And I'm really thankful for that. Thank you, Kathy. Oh my cry. It's amazing. Yeah. I think, um, the Lord one has modeled that, you know, um, he says his word says he's so near to the brokenhearted. Um, but also I've in that I've also witnessed that from his people being near and close. And so they just model his goodness and kindness. And so it's it's really it's it's an honor I think I would say an honor to get to sit with someone in a hard season mm-hmm. it's hard um but people have done it so well for me I love it's I think changed the trajectory of my life and so um yeah I'm really thankful for just the Lord and his kindness and the people he gives us mm-hmm. well Kendall thanks so much for sharing your story it is a joy to hear it and a it's a sadness to hear it and yet that you gave us a glimpse of how the Lord has comforted you is a real sweet gift and I'm grateful for you giving that to us let me close this in prayer God you are the God of all comfort and I'm aware that some listening are in a season where things do not feel very comforting and they are very hard and so I pray Holy Spirit would you comfort those individuals who are listening right now And for maybe those of us who aren't in a significant season of loss or grief or pain right now, would you bring to mind someone that you want us to call or text or drop off a vanilla latte for with no expectation of what they're going to give back, but just to demonstrate your kindness and your presence and your care for them. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, be sure to follow Encouraged and Equipped.